So good morning, listeners. Uh, my name is John Keeley, and welcome again to another edition of Come and See Inspirations, which is coming to you from our Come and See studio here in Ada County Limerick. So on this Sunday, of course, which is the 20th of January, uh, it's the second Sunday in Ordinary Time. Thanks again for joining us. Just to let you know, Come and See Inspirations was really set up um, to bring the good news of the gospel to the airwaves. And our team here has been doing it via Sacred Space over the last number of years, just to, just to uh, include some of our members here. Shane Ambrose, of course, is our blog editor and main researcher. Good morning to you, Shane. How are you? Good morning, John. How are we doing? Uh, good, thanks. And, of course, my dear white lady wife, Anne, Anne Keeley, is our prayer guide. Good morning to you, Anne. How are you? Good morning, John. Morning, listeners. And Lorraine Buckley, who tries really to keep us all under some sort of control. I mean, myself and Cheyenne and Anne can go anywhere from bits <laughs> to bits. Welcome again, Lorraine. Thank you very much. Good morning, John. Good morning, listeners. And of course, as I said, my name is John Keeley, and I do the best I can to produce the programme. So welcome again to everybody who's joining, especially those who are sick and housebound these days. As people know, at this stage, we broadcast our recordings on Sacred Space on West Limit 102 local community radio uh, West and Newcastle West each Sunday morning at 10am and 11pm. And these recordings are also available on a podcast on the internet. Mainly, the, the, one of the best ways you can, you can really get a podcast, really, would be on Come and See Inspirations. Um, it's a big, long expression, commonseeinspirations.buzzspread.com. But really, if you go onto the internet and Google Come and See Inspirations, it'll actually come up. And it's also available on iTunes by searching Come and See Inspirations and also on our blog. And that's on sacredspace102.blogspot.com. We'll try and simplify this as best we can over the next number of weeks, um, just to let people know we might put a little bit of information up in our blog. But again, just to remind new listeners maybe that each week uh, we reflect, uh, we invite a guest on various faith topics, both universal and local. We play some ins- inspirational music and we read and reflect on the Sunday Gospel. One of the things we do at the start of every programme and the introduction is we ask our good friend and researcher Shane so we have to share some saints whose feast day we're going to celebrate this week. Okay, Shane, who do you have this week, please? Okay, John, uh, saints for this week. So we have a couple of interesting ones. So 21st January is the feast of St. Agnes, one of the virgin martyrs of the church, and commem- one of the few women saints commemorated in the Eucharistic prayer, number one, or the canon of the mass. She is the patron saint of newly engaged couples and young girls, martyred around the 4th century in Rome. The Basilica of St. Agatha is dedicated in her memory. Generally, on the Feast of St. Agatha, Agnes, I beg your pardon, on the Feast of St. Agnes, we have the a blessing of the lambs whose wool will be used to make the palliums for the investiture of uh, metropolitan archbishops on around the Feast of St. Peter and St. Paul in June. Then on the 22nd of January, we have the feast day of St. Vincent of Sargosa, deacon of the Church of Sargosa, martyred in 304 AD uh, during one of the uh, uh, great persecutions of the church generally suffered on a greer diadem and is reputed to have re- refused to surrender the holy scriptures on the 23rd of January we celebrate the feast of St. Coleman of Lismore monk of that uh, ab- monastery uh, and created abbot in 698 and he died in 708 AD 
On the 24th of January, we have the feast day of St. Francis de Sales, Bishop of Genoa, Bishop and Doctor of the Church, Jesuit saint, founder of the Visitation Sisters. Very much a, a man whose writings still are very relevant down to the present age in writing in terms of the pursuit of holiness by people in their ordinary lives. Uh, worked with very much an associated work with gentleness and love to rebuild the church in Switzerland, particularly after the Reformation. On Friday, we celebrate the feast day of the commemoration of the conversion of St. Paul, the Apostle on the road to Damascus, and it marks the conclusion of the week of prayer for Christian unity. Um, that's on Friday the 25th. And then finally, on the 26th of January, we celebrate the feast of St. Timothy and Titus, who are very much associated with St. Paul and to whom two, uh, three of the letters of St. Paul are dedicated. And they were his com- collaborators and followers Timothy, by tradition, was the first bishop of Ephesus, and uh, Titus was sent to organize the church in Crete. At least that's what the tradition holds us. So that's what we have, John, in terms of this week's saints. Shane, thanks so much for that. So now in this part of the program, we might ask Anne to share a spiritual communion prayer, especially for those who come to see Jesus at Mass this morning. Thanks, Anne. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul since I now cannot receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Anne. Now, in this part of the programme, as we promised last week, um, Lorraine is going to give us a short little catechesis on, I think it is, on virtues. Is that right, Lorraine? It is indeed, John, as we're at the beginning of a new year. And of course, New Year's is a great time to be looking at resolutions. Of course, many of our resolutions, unfortunately, um, are broken at this point because we're a little bit into the new year. We thought it would be good just to do a little series on the virtues and how we can try to be better people in 2019. But first, what is a virtue? Now, if you look at the catechism, the catechism says that a virtue is And bear with me, it's a little bit of a long quote. A virtue is a habitual and firm disposition to do the good. It allows the person not only to perform good acts, but to give the best of him or herself. The virtuous person tends towards the good with all his sensory and spiritual powers. He or she pursues the good and chooses it in concrete actions. Okay, so let's break that down a little bit. A virtue is habitual meaning that it's not something we do once or twice. It's something we do regularly. It's something that we make a habit of doing. And in order to make something a habit, we have to have a firm disposition to do it. In in other words, we need to be resolved to do it over and over again. See, it's easy to do the good when the fancy takes us. When everything's going well, we've got plenty of time and we've got a few extra bob in our in our purse, it's easy then to give money to the homeless, for example. But to be resolutely good in every situation, no matter how tired we are, no matter how many times a neighbour calls at the worst time in the world, no matter how many times our significant other, we've told him to put the, fri- the milk back in the fridge and he doesn't do it. And I don't know how many times we've told him to do it and he still doesn't do it. Or the children with their chores or whatever it might be. To be a virtuous person means to be trying to do the good in every single situation. In some ways, it's like learning to play a musical instrument or learning to um, exercise. 
For example, if you're going for a run, the first time we go for the run, we might not get very far. In fact, we mightn't get outside the front gate. But the more we practice, the easier it becomes and the more it becomes kind of second nature to us. And it's the same way with the virtues. Virtues allow a person not only to perform good acts, which are very important in and of themselves, but to give the best of him or herself. And that's what it means to be holy. It's not to be a goody two-shoes, but to give the best of oneself in every situation. So when we choose to do good, when we're tired or grumpy or sick, when we choose to give to others, when we don't have enough for ourselves, when we practice restraint when it comes to indulging in food or alcohol, or when we choose justice even when it costs us dearly, then we're choosing to love. And love is to desire and practice what is good for the other person. We're created out of love and for love. So when we put love into practice through the virtues, then we are being the best people we can be and giving the best of ourselves. The virtuous person pursues the good with an undivided heart. But it's not enough to want to do good. I also have to put it into practice. I may want to be more patient with other drivers in my morning commute, but unless I actually do the good, i.e. unless I actually practice patience, then I'm not growing in virtue. And what is the purpose of a virtuous person? One of our earlier saints, St. Gregory of Nyssa, sums it up perfectly. The goal of a virtuous person or the goal of a virtuous life is to become like God. We become more Christ-like each time we practice the virtues. And of course, we can only do that with God's special grace, which we, with God's special help, which we call grace. So next week, John, we're going to start looking at some of the theological virtues of faith, hope and charity. Thanks so much for that, Lorraine. Have you got a bit of music now that you'd like us to to listen to? I do indeed. It's one of my favourite pieces of music. It's called The Saint That Is Just Me by Danielle Rose.
Okay, so welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley. Uh, at this part of the program now, Shane has got a guest on the other line, end of the line, and they're going to bring us some information, or some news on what's uh, coming up. Shane? Thanks, John. So actually, our, it's our uh, Sacred Space invites back onto the program again this week with Grace, Grace uh, Joy, our friend, uh, Father Martin Brown from Glenstall Abbey. Good morning, Father Martin. How are you keeping? I'm very well indeed. Thank you, Shane. Nice to be with you and John. It's good to have you back on the program again. And one of the reasons we've asked Father Martin to come back on the program this morning is the fact that we are in the midst of the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity, which started on the 18th of January. And this year, the theme for the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity uh, is justice and only justice you shall pursue. But before we get into that, Father Martin, what exactly is the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity? 
Well, I suppose the flippant answer is it's exactly what it says on the tin. Mm. Uh, it's an annual uh, observance that's kept by most of the Christian churches uh, throughout the world between the 18th and 25th of January each year to pray for the unity of the church. It has taken many different uh, formats over the years. Initially, it was uh, very much a a Catholic event where Catholics sort of prayed that Protestants and Orthodox would come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but in time, the understanding of the week of prayer changed to being about uh, praying for the unity of the church, which we believe is God's gift and is God, it's God's will. Uh, Jesus said on the night before his uh, death and uh, crucifixion that uh, prayed that, that they all may be one. So, in time, it became about praying for the unity of the church as Christ wills it, and that allowed uh, more people uh, to uh, join. And so in time, it has become a fixture in the calendars of, of, of most uh, churches around the world. And in the current, uh, current uh, period, it is prepared for each year uh, by jointly by the Pontifical Council for Christian Unity, which is the sort of the Department for Ecumenical Affairs in the Vatican, mm. uh, jointly with the World Council of Churches, uh, who are based in Geneva and who are made up of the of most of the mainstream uh, Protestant and Orthodox churches around the world. So it's it's prepared jointly, and then uh, adapted locally and celebrated throughout the world to do exactly as it says to pray for the unity of the church. Now, when you say it was prepared, it's prepared by the the Pontifical. Sorry, what's it called? The Pontifical Council for Promotion, Council Christian for Promotion of Christian Unity. Christian Unity, yes. And the uh, the Commission on Faith and Order of the World Council of Churches. But exactly. um, that was prepared. Do you have any idea when that was prepared? Yeah. Uh, so the the process for each year start, starts uh, about two years in advance. And the Christians in a particular region or country are invited to uh, prepare the materials because... Uh, in order to pray for Christian unity, we need some bit of help and some themes and some pointers and some uh, scripture passages. Uh, and so the tradition has been that Christians in a particular part of the world uh, prepare the materials, and that's a way of uh, sharing their concerns with the Christians of, of the world, a way of uh, showcasing their country, their region, but also showcasing their challenges. So for this year, the materials were prepared by the Christian churches in Indonesia. So they started on this process about two years ago, and they chose that theme from the book of Deuteronomy, Justice and Only Justice You Shall Pursue. And then in September of 2017, so kind of a year and a half in advance, a joint working group made up of representatives from that Pontifical Council and the World Council of Churches went to Indonesia to meet the local people who prepared these materials and to go through them, to tease them out a bit more, to uh, edit a little bit, to m- maybe make them a bit more uh, suitable for di- for digestion in other parts of the world and in mm-hmm. their ecclesiastical context, other geographical and political contexts. And then when they're all agreed jointly by Rome and Geneva, they're circulated uh, throughout the world and uh, different groups of uh, churches around the world that maybe adapt them locally. So churches together in Britain and Ireland then made a further adaptation. So the materials that were circulated to churches uh, around Ireland this year were the fruit of that threefold process. Initially, the Indonesians, then the Indonesians with the International Writing Group, and then eventually the churches together in Britain and Ireland. So lots of people have had a hand in looking at this material in order to make it uh, as 
uh, useful and uh, was inspirational and helpful for prayer and for reflection as it possibly can be. It sounds like a rather, um, how shall I say, cumbersome process, uh, but I suppose for the man in the street, the man and woman in the street, I beg your pardon, or the, the person in the pew, I suppose, what would be uh, the focus for this week? Well, <clears throat> say it, it, the idea is simple. Uh, Christian churches are not fully united. We move often along parallel paths, sometimes quite divergent paths. That is not what <coughs> Jesus uh, wants for his church. Uh, he wants us to be, to be one, not, not just because it's nice to be all ho- holding hands together, but because by being separated, we are a counter-witness. We, Christians bearing witness to the love of Christ separately isn't a great sign. And at a time in this part of the world where the credibility of Christian faith is being challenged all around the place and being uh, abandoned by a lot of people, the idea that Christians can't uh, do things together, can't agree together, uh, can't be fully one, can't celebrate the Eucharist together, is a scandal. So most of us probably don't experience it personally as a huge source of scandal in the same way we might experience Poverty is a scandal or, uh, or violence or whatever. But in, in, when you think about it, in terms of the witness that the churches and the Christians of the world give to those around them who are not Christian, uh, Christian disunity is a scandal. So the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity is about, well, one, highlighting that, but it's not just about highlighting it. It's about praying for it, because ultimately the only way we're going to be one is if we uh, open ourselves totally and completely uh, to Christ, because we're not, we're not going to be able to do it on our own. We've shown that uh, quite uh, adequately and clearly over the last 500 years and indeed over the last th- thousand years and more when it comes to the churches in the, in the East. So it is about praying for that, praying together, uh, learning to love one another. But it's, but it's also important, it is about praying for unity. So even if one is in a small rural place where, where everybody who goes to church uh, belongs to the same denomination, and that mm-hmm. is often often the case, obviously, in rural Ireland, that doesn't mean you can't pray for Christian unity because anyone can pray for Christian unity even on their own. Mm. Uh, so it's not just about coming together and having, having a nice time and having tea and buns afterwards. It's actually about taking God, God's desire for unity, taking Christ at his word, taking him seriously, and actually praying for that unity and asking him to grant what we so manifestly are not able to do on our own. It's 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 an interesting one because the the input, if you like, of the of the Christian churches from Indonesia, of course, is in the context of the fact that Indonesia is one of the largest Muslim countries in Southeast Asia. It's also one of the largest one of the larger countries in the world, and of course, it is very diverse in terms of ethnicity, religions, and cultures. It's an incredible so, place. Yeah, it's an incredible place. Uh, we we all all know. Well, about places like Bali and, and the big islands, Java, and, and so on. But there are 17,000 islands in Indonesia. And ethnically, the, the different uh, racial uh, background, there are over 1,300 different ethnic groups and over 700 languages. Now, that's, that's mind-boggling. Mm. There are over 740 local languages. Uh, so uh, as a nation, they've tried... Uh, of course, they were uh, occupied and colonized uh, by Europeans for a, long, for a long time. So as a nation, they've tried to unite around some certain principles, which actually uh, 
rhyme quite well with, with Christian unity. It's, the motto of the country is unity and diversity. Um, and that's uh, very significant. They have a uh, one common language that is spoken throughout the country. Uh, and so that unites the people of all the various other languages. There's one Indonesian language, uh, which is, I think, not quite an artificial language, but it has borrowed from all over the place and been codified and organised as a way of of copper fastening all the all the members of the all the citizens and residents of these islands into one nation. So that's a very important principle for them. But like a lot of places in the world, that is being challenged very much at the moment mm-hmm. by uh, radicalisation, by fundamentalism. Uh, while they have a national motto about unity and diversity, and there was always traditionally very good relationships between uh, the huge Muslim ma- uh, majority and the smaller Christian, Buddhist, Buddhist Hindu, and so on minorities, um, we're, we're seeing less of that now. We're seeing Christian churches being attacked, being burned. Um, I, 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 di- I didn't mention earlier. Um, I, I'm actually part of the group that goes to the country each year and the, and the works on editing the material. So, so I did spend a week there um, in September of 2018. And even though it was a week, because we were working so intensively on this material and with Christians there, we learned an awful lot about the country. Mm. And it is a real worry for them that, that, that a country that's built on unity and diversity uh, is experiencing such challenges uh, where people are trying to, uh, to sow discord. Um, so when they're talking about praying for unity, okay, they're, ta- they're very clearly talking about Christian unity, and it's, it's Christian churches who have prepared the materials, obviously. Mm. But they're also very conscious of the need for uh, interfaith uh, harmony as well. Um, and it's, they're not talking in the abstract. This is important for them. This is life and death stuff for them. Mm. So it was, it was quite uh, striking to see them talking about the the tradition of their country uh, and the the principles on which they were founded and how these are being challenged now. So, in, and apart from uh, fundamentalism and radicalization, uh, one of the other great challenges they're experiencing at the moment is corruption. And so that was one of the reasons they, they chose a theme uh, based around justice, uh, because the cohesion and coherence of their, of their nation is being challenged uh, by by greed and corruption. So that's one, that's one of the good things we said earlier that the that big long process I described about how a thought uh, gets translated into the materials that get circulated around the world. It's a very good idea, I think, that, that the materials are produced by Christians from different parts of the world every year because they have very different insights, of very, very different local realities, very different challenges. And it gives the rest of the... Uh, Christians of the world uh, a chance to a window in, into 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 some of these countries. Mm. Um, I, I knew precious little about uh, Indonesia apart from a vague idea of where it was in the map, and that certain <laughs> islands like Bali were good were famous holiday spots. I, I had no understanding really uh, about the place, about the uh, ethnic makeup of the place, about the history, uh, and certainly about the or, or about the religious challenges. And since being there, every time I hear it on the news, some reference to Indonesia, my, my ears pick up because it, it becomes more significant. And I think that's, a, that's another element of the week of, for, of prayer for Christian unity. It creates and nurtures solidarity between Christians around the world, not just between Christians uh, in a particular location, Christians of different denominations, but also between Christians in Ireland and the Christians of Indonesia at this time, or the Christians of America and the Christians of Indonesia at this time. Mm. So... It, so traveling around the world, uh, drawing the materials for the week of prayer from different parts of the world each year, I think uh, is a, 
a very useful way of emphasizing uh, the oneness of the of the Christian family uh, and the oneness ultimately of the human family. Just looking at the resources that were prepared, uh, Martin, for the churches together in Britain and Ireland. So that just in case people are wondering, well, what 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 does that actually entail? It's um, generally there over the days of the week. It's there's generally um, a a scripture piece given. There's generally a, a restarting point or uh, which is taken from uh, the the communities in Indonesia, which is followed then by a reflection and followed by a prayer and then some questions for reflection and thoughts during the day. And also, as well as that, then there's a, there's a bit of go and do. So there's, you know, there's, there's an encouragement to go out and, and to do something as well. So for me, it's very much like the, 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 the old YCW, you know, Listen, Judge Act. And it's that idea of, you know, ref- going from scripture to reflection to action. Uh, yeah, I very much so. Very much uh, something which I think we could all associate with and very easy to do. So we'll be saying to listeners, um, it's available on the website and is also, uh, as well as that, our own uh, Bishop Brendan was very much involved this year with promoting it as he has a job to do for the Pope in addition to uh, Bishop Kiernan Keir, uh, uh, from the Church of Ireland in Limerick. Um, who the, the both of them have been uh, tasked with encouraging prayers for Christian unity uh, as well. So, um, Martin, thank you very much for coming on to us to go through that with us this morning. My great pleasure. Uh, and as always, uh, your insights into it. I hadn't realised you had been in Bali. <laughs> I wasn't in Bali. I was in Jakarta. <laughs> you were in Jakarta. Uh, well, you were in Indonesia. And there wasn't a beach in sight. There wasn't a beach inside. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Thank you for coming on this morning. I appreciate that it, this week in particular has been rather busy for the, uh, the Glenstall community. So we appreciate, appreciate the time that you took to come on with us this morning. Very happy to do so. Thanks, William Martin. Happy New Year Thank, to you. Thank you. God bless. Bye, bye, And so with this part of the program now, we'll go for a second piece of music. And this is by um, John Michael Talbot. And this one is entitled, Come and Worship the Lord. Might be ideal after listening to that. Let's hear this. Come, worship the Lord, for we are His people, the flock that He shepherds. Thank you. 
praise God, the mighty God, the great King o'er all the gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the highest mountains as well. So welcome back again to the third part of Come and See Inspirations, which is broadcast here from West Limit 102 and Sacred Space. Of course, joining me still in the studio, I've got Lorraine, um, Shane is on the other end of the Skype line, and of course, Anne is still with me here in the studio as well. Um, I meant to mention uh, one particular item, two particular items at the start of the programme in regard to notices for the week. I suppose one of the things I just wanted to mention, uh, people might know about it, but just in case they don't, Limit Diocesan Pilgrimage, any young person uh, young person who'd like to travel with the youth section of the Diocesan Pilgrimage to Lewis are asked to give their names into any parish office not later than the end of the month. So, of course, these must be, uh, they must be aged 16, 16 years of age by the date of departure, which is on the 20th of June 2019. Just so to mention that, if you know of anybody, young person who'd like to go on the Diocesan Pilgrimage to Lewis, uh, to hand in their notices to the local parishes. The other piece of news I just want to mention to people, uh, uh, people in West Limit, one uh, around West Limit, maybe Newcastle West, and in a few more places like that, might have been aware of it. Last weekend, there was a priest around the area, Father Eamon McCarty, who was a priest director of Radio Maria Island. I was actually chatting with Father Eamon uh, over the weekend. Uh, in fact, himself and a few more priests, including Father John Muckler, were involved with recording some uh, video reflections for EWTM, which is going out later on in uh, sometime in in, in uh, Lent. And as soon as they uh, as soon as they let me know of the dates, I'll, I'll certainly pass it on to to, to listeners. But in regard to uh, Radio Maria Islands. Um, 
it's a Catholic radio station, 24-7. There's music, there's youth discussion, there's uh, Madian spirituality, there's news events. I actually heard a very comprehensive news report from, um, from, from actually from the Vatican, actually, yesterday or the other day. Very, very informative. Interviews, chat shows, children's corner, and so on and so forth. If you want to listen to it, it's really easy, actually. Um, but those of us who have the TV, um, the, 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 the serve you, TV, you know, where you get RT1, 2, 3, 4. Just keep on continuing right up to the end. You go up to channel 210. That's 210 on our TV channels. And uh, you'll be able to listen to Radio Maria. As I said, it's on um, 24-7. Of course, if you go onto their website, you can get internet streaming and there's a mobile app and so on and so forth. I'll bring you more information as time goes by. But just again, just remind people again, radio, a few people have asked me to mention Radio Maria Ireland. Uh, it, it's on the it's on the television actually, for want of a better word. Um, if you go through from RT one, two, three, and keep on going right the way up to the end, channel two one zero, and you'll get on to Radio Maria. So at this part of the program, it's time where we done some uh, gospel reflections and read the gospel. And before that, Anne is going to pray this uh, prayer before reading and reflecting on scripture. Thank you, Anne. Lord, we thank you for pushing us in the presence of your word which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander, but we may give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this order in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you indeed for that, Anne. So at this part of the program, again, just following that, we have the, the, the reading of the Sunday Gospel for this week, which, of course, is from the second Sunday in Ordinary Time, and it's taken from the, actually from the Gospel of John, chapter 2 and verse 1 to 11. Lorraine, you might share that with us, please. Thank you. There was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited. When they ran out of wine, since the wine provided for the wedding was all finished, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said, Woman, why turn to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. There were six stone water jars standing there, meant for the ablutions that are customary among the Jews. Each could hold twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. Draw some out now, he told them, and take it to the steward. They did this. The steward tasted the water, and it had turned into wine. Having no idea where it came from, only the servants who had drawn the water knew. The steward called the bridegroom and said, People generally serve the best wine first, 
and keep the cheaper sort till the guests have had plenty to drink, but you have kept the best wine till now. This was the first of the signs given by Jesus. It was given at Cana in Galilee. He let his glory be seen, and his disciples believed in him. So thank you for that, Lorraine. Shane, would you like to start off with a reflection, or will I, or which way do you want to go? Yeah, I'll, I'll Good take it, John. Um, I thought it was an interesting uh, turn of, of coincidences that John's account of the wedding feast of Cana is the, um, the gospel that's presented to us this week. Because it's very much a gospel, I suppose, of joy, which, considering the defeat of May, Theresa May's Brexit proposal in the House of Parliament on Tuesday night by 230 votes, and we not knowing where they're going to go next across the water and how it impacts on us, it's kind of a nervous time in the world at the moment. And I suppose it's a timely reminder to us that um, we should have a little degree of hope. And facing into what is often the most dreary and depressing day of January, which is the, the third Monday of January, which is often called Blue Monday, this Sunday's Gospel is um, a joyous interlude, you could say. You know, Jesus is at a party and they run out of booze. And I was thinking to myself, do you know what, it is a very Irish Gospel, isn't it? <laughs> you know? We, now, <clears throat> John's Gospel is the only one of the of the only one of the four gospels that records this particular event um it's one of the seven signs that john re recounts in his gospel uh to show the divinity of christ and his role as the messiah and it's an interesting one because it comes in john's gospel not long after the calling of the, of the four disciples and it's probably one of the first things first miracles that they see but the interesting thing about it is there's there's two sides to it, I suppose, is first or well more than two sides, but there's a couple of sides to it. First of all, there's the role of Mary. Uh secondly, there's Jesus' initial reaction to the request. And then thirdly, there's the kind of response of the community. So I suppose first of all, if we look at Mary, and this particular gospel is often presented as the the gospel par excellence for Mary as disciple, where she basically instructs the servants, do as he tells you. And it's held up as the kind of the, the model for Christians to follow, do what the Lord commands. Um, it's an interesting one, of course. Mary obviously knew the family that were involved in this particular wedding because she had a degree of authority over the servants. And some commentators would suggest that this was a family, an ex, an ex, uh, extended family uh, wedding for Jesus and his, and his mother. And it's just that whole response of Mary taking the problem to her son and the, the, the response, despite not getting the most wholehearted response, she still has faith that he will do something for her. And it's very much for us, I suppose, a model of prayer. I remember when I was in secondary school, I remember one of our teachers saying to us, God always answers prayers, but sometimes the answer is no. And then someone else said, well, sometimes, you know, you've got to be a bit persistent and wear him down. And I said, well, you know, that's what Mary kind of did here. You know, in terms of the family involved were facing a public debacle, um, very much a case of, oh, my God, what are the neighbors going to think? 
which I like to think probably, in you know, was kind of the reason for Jesus' not non-initial reaction that he was kind of going, "Ah, shit, it's not a big deal," you know, that kind of way. But prompted, if you like, by the prayer of his mother, despite the fact it was not yet his time, as he says. Jesus responds to the need of the community, a response to the need of that particular family. And I suppose it's an example to us, indeed, of the the need for us always to be open to dialogue with God and persistent dialogue with God. You know, we were talking about the virtues earlier, and one of the, thing, one of the things Lorraine said is they have to be, you know, it's not just something you do one-off. Prayer is pretty much the same thing as well. Then if we look at the reaction of the community to this and, you know, the response of the steward was that they had saved the best to last. And whereas initially you would serve it up, you would serve it up first front. And, you know, it's an interesting one that it's a reminder to us that the response of God in our lives can be very much um, a save the best to last if we open the doors to Christ. You know, no matter what happens, that the response that we discern in our lives, the response that we are open to, is probably like that wine, the best vintage, the best way of dealing with a situation, or the best way of responding to whatever crosses our paths. The other way I suppose of looking at it is also to be aware. You know, Mary was aware of the need of that community, of that family, of that that young couple, and she reached out to do what she could for them. And it's a reminder to us of the need for Christian duty and Christian charity and Christian love and Christian awareness. You know, because I suppose there is a temptation at the moment um, among the commun- among maybe, say, practicing Christians, practicing Catholics in Ireland, that... <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. We're taking a bit of a battering at the moment, you know. All you have to do is look at that ridiculous program that's on Sunday nights on RTE at the moment and the pantomime-esque or Monty Python-esque portrayal of nuns dealing with the issue of adoptions and forced adoptions, you know. Um, it's, 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 it's a gross caricature which kind of symbolizes the general purview of Christians in this country at the moment. But I suppose the gospel reminds us today that no matter what happens, we still need to be an outward community. We still need to be an aware community. We still need to be individuals who are joyous. And that brings me back to what I started out with. It was an Irish wedding, you know, in that it was a great hoolie. And they drank the bar dry and Jesus performed his first miracle to make sure the party didn't end there. And you could say that's what it's like for us in our daily lives if we turn back to Christ. That no matter how low we think it might get or how dry the barrel might seem, God is always there for us. We just have to ask and do as he tells us. Well done, Shane. Uh, For my own little uh, contribution, Again, uh, I, I just want to emphasise to people too that, that, that there's a great resource here in Newcastle West every Monday night from 10 past 8 to 10 past 9. It's in the Paris Centre in Newcastle West where we have Lecture Domina, which is led by Father Frank Duick. 
the numbers are growing they're steadily they're at about 20, 22, 23 now and they're growing nearly every week it's well worth coming because Father Frank opens up gospels like this that we think we've heard it for years and years and years and we think we know it all but we don't Father Frank always introduces something else to us and, and, and reminds us of other things and just one of the things that he reminded us this week well Shane touched on it there you know um, Mary typical mother she was aware nobody really told her but she was aware that there was a problem that there was no wine what did Mary do about it? She persisted and she went and she told Jesus. And as of course, as Shane reminded us there, um, Jesus said, well, well, you know, woman, why turn to me? My, my hour has not yet come. But she was persisted. She still continued and, and, and told the servants, do whatever he tells you. And Father Frank just reminded us that, uh, and Shane just alluded to there, it's, it, it's something for us, it's an, a, an example for us too. To turn to Our Lady in times when we find that our wine, our wine has run out. Our wine might run out because of illness or loneliness or we don't have a job or even a loss of interest in our faith. And it's times like that when we need, we need help. We, we need help from each other. And sometimes there's times when we can help each other. There's times when we can offer help to other people. We shouldn't just turn the other way. One of the main ways we can do it, of course, is do as... Um, I laid it on there this morning. She turned to Jesus, and we see what happened afterwards. Maybe this week, maybe when we notice wine has run out in our own lives or in other people's lives, maybe we can reach out to Mary too, and as and maybe hear what Mary says to us, to us, as she said to the to the <coughs> servants, do whatever He tells us. Maybe this week we need to listen and open our ears and and ask and just listen to what Jesus is saying to us. What's He saying to us? helping other people, because that's how Jesus does things. He does things through other people, helping other people. What's he asking us to do this week? Lorraine, you've got a quick one there just before we finish up the programme? I just love the connection between the first reading and the Gospel. Normally there is a connection between the two. And of course, there's a very strong connection between Isaiah 62 and today's Gospel. In Isaiah 62, we um, look at that whole symbolism of the wedding feast uh, where Isaiah prophesies, uh, prophesies that we are no longer to be named forsaken, that our land will not be called abandoned anymore. But you shall be called my delight and your land the wedded for the Lord takes delight in you and your land will have its wedding. Like a young man marrying a virgin, so will the one who built you wed you. And as the bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so will your God rejoice in you. And that's what the Lord does over us Mm. all the time. He rejoices over us. We saw it again last week with the baptism of the Lord and the words of the Father. Mm. You are my beloved son. My favor rests in you. Or another translation is, I delight in you. So that sense of being beloved of God, that God himself delights in us this morning. And of course, all that that entails. We don't want to be good people because it's a good thing to do. Of course, it is a good thing to Mm -hmm. do. But we want to be good people because we are beloved by God. Lorraine, thank you so much for that. So that brings us back to the end of the programme. Thanks a lot, Shane, for um, inviting Father Martin Brown to come on and share with us about Christian unity. And I think next week we have we have the Abbot of Glenstall. You've had to join us next week, I believe. Isn't that right? Benedictines in the modern world, I think, is the title of the interview. <laughs> well, that's the plan. That's uh, 
still to be confirmed, but that's the plan. Good lad. Thanks a lot, Shane. And thanks a lot for, for staying with us and joining us this morning. You're welcome. And thank also, Lorraine, thank you again. Virtues next week. Next week, we'll be looking at the theological virtue of faith. Now, there we are. So, tune in again to Come and See Inspirations, which is broadcast here on Sacred Space on West Limit 102. So now we're going for that final bit of music. As it was um, a wedding this week and, and so on and so forth, I decided to pick one by James Kilban. And this one is entitled The Wedding Song. So next week from all of us and come and see. God bless you all now. Bye. Bye. God is now to be among you at the calling of your hearts. Rest assured this troubadour is acting on his part. The union of your spirits here has caused him to remain. For whenever two or more of you are gathered in his name, there is love. There is love. Well, a man shall leave his mother and a woman leave her home. They shall travel on to where the two shall be as one As it was in the beginning, is now until the end Woman draws her life from man and gives it back again And there is love Two or more of you are gathered in his name.